Hello, everybody, and welcome to the PTF podcast, The Jump Net. My name is uh, Lance Corporal J. Pearson. I'm here with Sergeant G. Taylor. Um, Taylor, what's your job in the PTF? What do you do? So I am the first platoon, first squad, uh, squad leader. Um, so yeah, I basically uh, lead a whole squad through operations and whatnot. Alrighty, and um, so what sorts of things does that entail? What responsibilities do you have as a squad leader? So it is actually quite a bit of a responsibilities. Like I'd say, it's definitely on the like squad leader is where you start getting the same sort of responsibilities as almost like any sort of leadership and whatnot. A lot of it is quite a bit of a like delegated tasks from um upper leadership um so in terms of an op i'll start kind of from two different angles here so you kind of have like the operational like the physical sort of stuff that you're doing as a squad leader and the actual like outside of the uh um like operations and whatnot what you do as a squad leader so um the operational stuff for me you know like there's a lot of you know some people may view it as more like a job for like the stuff outside of the PTF. Honestly, I enjoy doing it because I enjoy spending time to make people better, um, which I'll go into detail more about that in a second here. But um, so for the operational stuff, so typically whenever you are a squad leader, um, you have your squad uh, squad net and whatnot, which consists of your command team, which is your corpsman, your squad system operator and whatnot, which is your SSO with the drone. Um, and, uh, one second here. Um, you also have your uh, yeah. So you have your corpsman, your SSO, and your assistant squad lead, as well as all your fire team leaders on that uh, squad frequency. And that's pretty much kind of like the main that you're using. You know, you're kind of communicating and making sure because most of it, as a squad leader, you're given an objective to you, and you have to communicate it down to your guys. Which the other frequency that we have, you know, is the platoon net, um, which is where you know Shepard gets orders from company command and passes it down to us and whatnot to or delegates it among his squad to kind of you know deal with the sort of threat that we have or the mission objective that we have so in an operational sense i am in charge of basically getting that sort of task done so most often cases it's like hey we need to secure this town uh first squad you're going to take this sector and second squad's going to take this sector well it's my job to figure out how to attack that sector. Because all Shepard does is, uh, which Shepard's the first platoon uh, CO, for those of you that um, don't are listening and don't know. Um, he, yeah, so basically I have to approach or figure out what kind of approach I want to use and whatnot, what fire teams I send forward and what fire teams do what, because I have three fire teams underneath me. And typically you want to use them in a certain fashion, whatnot, a certain organized manner because they have different pieces of equipment and stuff. So I basically am in charge of making sure that they um, sort of, I'd say, complete their objective the best way possible and I fit them in the best spot possible. And typically things don't go perfectly, right? Um, fire teams will get under fire, they get casualties or something like that. And it's my job to kind of reorganize and reorganize my squad to deal with those sort of threats right or those sort of uh cases you know because anything could happen you know a fucking vehicle rolls up you know and explodes and there goes a whole fire team and now we're taking contact i have to figure out how to solve that problem right 
um, while at the same time I have to keep an open end of communication to platoons so that they know what's going on. So in case they need to give our whole squad another squad's worth of help and whatnot. So if they need to redivert other squads to my area or even a, uh, communicate with the other platoon and whatnot. Um, so that's kind of in an operational sense what a squad leader does. Um, and in terms of like a sort of outside of operations, squad leaders do quite a bit outside of it. So typically we're responsible for, um, we usually meet once a week and whatnot with uh, the platoon leadership and other squad leaders and whatnot. We discuss what we want to practice that week and what we are planning on training on for our own squad and stuff. So we have to kind of come up with our own squad trainings and then, you know, actually teach it to our guys and whatnot. Usually these squad trainings consist of, you know, what we struggled with uh, last week or a reoccurring issue that we've been trying to practice and stuff. Um, Lately, it's been MAUT, like the military operations on urban terrain, has been the big one that we've been practicing throughout the uh, whole of first platoon. Um, so we set, we kind of, you know, deal with those sort of squad trainings. We're also responsible for um, any attendance issues and whatnot. So we have to check in with guys that haven't been attending, make sure that you know that they're attending, or you know, kind of individually message people, which we can delegate onto our fire team leaders, and whatnot. Um, which is why, like, you know, fire team leaders are still a very important position outside of squad leading. Uh, and pretty much we're also responsible for discharges as well as um, PARs, like squad management itself. So, for example, if I have a guy that really wants to be a um, DAR, it's my job to kind of figure out how he or she fits into the sort of squad and, like, who I prioritize and whatnot um, in terms of who gets wh who gets what role and whatnot. Um, but yeah, that's just to name a few uh, responsibilities and whatnot. For sure. I mean, it's a very, uh, it's a very stressful role. Um, there's a lot that goes into play and, um, you don't have to be the right person to enjoy it. Um, but what is it that you actually really enjoy most about being a squad leader? Uh, I know you mentioned that you like to teach your guys, um, and you like to do that sort of a thing and you like to meet with them kind of outside of your uh the, the written times to help them with stuff but what are the other things that you like to do as a squad leader so i think honestly single-handedly the best yeah the best thing what makes me enjoy being a squad leader the most is having a set of guys that you know that i am like coordinating with and whatnot and knowing each individual personality right and how all that kind of pieces together. And when we come across any sort of issue and seeing that resolve and whatnot, like perfectly is single-handedly probably the most satisfying thing about being a squad leader. Cause then it, it really kind of like that seeing that cohesion happen, like you give an order and then that order is executed with very little resistance and it's almost to perfection and whatnot. Seeing the culmination of all those trainings, all that, practice all the expectations that you laid out and whatnot is probably the best thing about being a squad leader for me and whatnot. Cause I like having a set of guys. I like being able, I like having, you know, 15 other people that are underneath my uh, wing and whatnot that I take care of. And I sort of uh, look after and even just like, you know, talk to on a personal basis and whatnot. Um, not to like, you know, cause I feel like that for when you get higher up into like platoon leadership, it's a little bit harder to do that because you're more focused on squad leadership itself, like making sure they're on task or um, helping them out with their trainings and stuff. 
rather than you know talking individually down to like the lone guy you know the the one private that just joined the unit right i kind of like being involved with that i like being around you know like a decent number of people a tight-knit group of people that's probably the my favorite thing about being a squad leader great yeah uh i mean i'm not a squad leader but um i mean I, i like doing that sort of thing as well um and really i enjoy that sort of thing as well um and um yeah i mean you answered that amazingly um what so um do you have any stories about the ptf um anything that you want to like any stories about uh an operation a few weeks ago or uh i just want to talk about something in the ptf yeah so i have a couple like i have quite a few stories honestly um a lot of them are pretty like you know memorable um i'd say like uh one thing that kind of inspired me to do sort of uh squad leading so this is i know this isn't exactly perfectly about squad leading but you know um it kind of is what inspired me and whatnot because it kind of it's got me know, all about exactly what we're talking about yeah <laughs> it's a little off topic <laughs> yeah exactly um so easily the one of my more favorite memories and whatnot is we had a squad training one night i think it was, it was back whenever it was uh i was in a uh, first platoon second squad and I was just appointed very recently the Charlie fire team leader and whatnot because I was underneath uh, um, Ferreira for so long for like, cause I was his uh, DAR gunner. Um, and we also had Martin at the time who was the alpha fire team leader. And we had a uh, training and whatnot. And some of the guys, you know, they hopped, at least the guys except for us hopped off after that. And then, Moyers wanted to have a conversation with just like, you know, him and the fire team leadership and whatnot. And we had a sort of like discussion of expectations and stuff, especially for me, because I was newer to fire team leading. And after that, we kind of just like, we went over actual specific scenarios and stuff and like kind of did like some answered any sort of questions or um, inconsistencies, like all those sort of gray areas that you have in terms of like the training that you're taught and stuff. We went over a lot of that, and then after that, we kind of just like uh, ran through a couple of fun scenarios, like uh, some horde base. Like we basically sent like waves of enemies at, at us when we had machine guns, and we would just like you know mow them down for fun, and whatnot. Um, after that, so I'd say that's one of the more favorite memories because we spent like you know a pretty good productive couple of hours after the training doing that sort of stuff. Um, but the I think the other one was probably I'd say the other favorite memory I really have was it was the second operation I did as a actual squad leader um, where it was a defense operation in our tie campaign. I think it was operation seven campaign seven operation four um easily the best operation i've ever been a part of like single-handedly where it was a defense op and we were kind of like really spread out well not as a whole platoon and i had to basically micromanage and send a, a like a fire team like alpha fire team between different squads to assist and whatnot whenever that flank would get pushed while also micromanaging my own front itself and the fact that we had very minimal casualties, I think we only had one or two guys go down the whole time that we were defending for like a good 45 hour um, 
and then we ended up doing a counterattack on the enemy base, and we pushed into that with probably only three casualties collectively across that whole compound. So I think that was that was where I was super unconfident in my own abilities as a squad leader because I, you know, it was my second operation in. And just seeing all the work that I put in that first week whenever I became a squad leader, where I was trying to get to know my guys, get to know how they play, get to know, you know, what they what their play styles are, you know, what what they're good at, what they're bad at, and kind of work with those strengths and weaknesses and being able to cohesively complete an objective like that while being on point and whatnot for the very first time, like not very first time, but you know, second time. Um just felt like absolute bliss and whatnot. It felt like that all the work that I did that one week really paid off. And that's it, definitely it was a movie moment. Oh yeah, no, it was like it, it felt like you know like uh, God, I'm blanking. You were Rambo. Movie. Well, like I wouldn't <laughs> even say Rambo. It just felt like uh, I can't remember the movie. Uh, I can't remember. It's that one football movie. <sighs> Whatever. I'm blanking on it. I'm pretty pretty sure everybody's gonna make fun of me for forgetting about it now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but like, it just felt like at first, like I was just so worried. Um, just for context too, that like. I've been in the uh, first platoon, second squad for probably almost a year in the PTF for probably about like, I think 10 or 11 months or so. And then I was to become the first, uh, first platoon, first squad, squad leader um, because of plenty of like weird circumstances and whatnot that I don't really want to delve too deep into and whatnot. But um, I was so worried about like the sort of cohesion and whatnot because, you know, maybe they were, they're not used to having somebody that hasn't been around them a whole lot being their leader and whatnot. And so I was always so worried about that. And then whenever I kind of came in and things went perfectly smooth and stuff, that's how I knew, knew that I was doing something right. So that's why I think that that's definitely out there on the top three, top 10, whatever list I have for favorite memories in the PTF. For sure. I mean, like I said, that was just a movie moment. Um, and I mean, you, uh, you weren't very confident in your abilities, even though I mean you you were definitely an amazing leader then and still now. Um, how long were you the uh, assistant squad leader for one two? I believe about two or three months or so, because I think it was yeah. So it was like it was ironically it was Valentine's Day. That's whenever I became the ASL, um, and then I became i think the first platoon first squad leader about like late may i think it was like may 26 or something like that um yeah i think that's what i think that so yeah it was roughly about like three months or so yeah so you had a lot of experience still even then uh being a squad leader uh and you're definitely killing it uh i mean one one's what one one was able to do last operation especially was just amazing um first platoon really everybody didn't even have we had minimal casualties last operation you want to talk a little bit about it yeah um unfortunately you know we were trying to go for you know as first platoon we were going for like a zero deaths um sort of uh attempt and uh (laughs) (laughs) yeah so that's where i was like well shit because i was the one that um screwed that up technically um we had a bmp push our position and um, we fired two rockets at two AT4s at it, and we thought that that did the job. Actually, no, we fired one Carl Gustav at it and an AT4. We thought that did the job, so we hesitated for a second. 
the gun turns on Harris and shoots Harris like square in the chest with like three or four 30 mil rounds. And he dies almost instantly. Um, we tried to patch him up, but we couldn't get him in time, unfortunately. Um, but that was like the only casualty, which I mean, like, it's not like that was like a super preventable casualty because, you know, we hit it with two rockets. Most BMPs take only one. So, um, but yeah, we, I, I remember having this sort of discussion when not last uh, operation, because usually in my debriefs, I like to, you know, go into to, uh, critique and stuff because I like to make sure that people understand what they did wrong and then, you know, also remind them of what they did right. And I like to find at least one thing they did wrong, but that operation, there was definitely very hard. It was very hard to find something that people screwed up on because everybody just was like outstanding that op for my squad at least. And I can only imagine for the other squads too, considering, you know, a lack of casualties. For sure. I mean, um, I was in the, I was next to Shepard the entire time. Um, and he literally said at one point, I don't know if y'all know this, uh, and I'm not going to say it to screw it up, but things are looking real good for first platoon right now. <laughs> and this was near the end of the album. Yeah, that's like, and he yeah. was like, things are looking up right now, man. Uh, but I mean, it's crazy that we didn't have one a or um, yeah, AAV really go down. Uh, we had yeah. one. Was it your AAV or was it? Um, so both of our AAVs took hit. So whenever we were transitioning yeah. from objective freeway onto the mainland, um, whenever we we're getting lit up by the IFV on the bridge, uh, we actually got our gun knocked out. But luckily, you know, it was still drivable. So we basically just used it as a troop carrier at that point. Um, yeah. And we just used it as an ammo carrier. Um, kept all of our supplies in there. And then I think one, two, their like fuel tank got hit. Um, yeah. To which then it wasn't, it was just more of a mobility kill than the actual like logistical kill. Yeah. I mean, which it's a very repairable thing. So. Yeah. In real life, I mean, that would have been uh, a huge success. And I even have one AAV go down, let alone in, you know, a video game where it's very easy to blow up an AAV. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that was fantastic. Um, and so we really didn't have any logistical or really just, yeah, no real logistical failures. Uh, we had one KIA. Uh, I think one guy went down once. Um, and I believe that's for first platoon and second platoon. Uh, I mean, I don't remember there being any real issues with casualties in second platoon either. Um, and we were able to get every objective done way sooner than expected. Uh, we had two objectives. Uh, we are actually in Cuba right now. Um, the we uh, are in Cuba. Uh, last operation we launched from a uh, helicopter carrier, and then from there uh, we assaulted beaches from uh, AAVs, which are amphibious uh, assault vehicles, um, and uh, ribs, which are boats, and then also um, other more armored boats. Um, and it was a it was a great operation. I had a lot of fun. Um, yeah, that I think was that very, was the, I think that was the very first like amphibious operation you've had, right, Pearson? Very first. Yeah, the last time I recall us ever having an amphibious operation, well, not because we I think we had a couple in the Colombian campaign, but the I last time we did it was um, the Pantera campaign. I believe it was. Um, it was probably it was like mid it was like operation four or five of the Pantera campaign, which is like a 13 operation campaign. 
Yeah. So it's been like a minute. So like probably since uh, last November. So definitely quite a few months. Yeah. I mean, uh, it was definitely interesting being on a uh, spawning on a helicopter carrier. And then uh, I didn't know where to go. Uh, it's all new to me. So I had to figure all that stuff out. Uh, I ended up sitting in one of the seats during the briefing and I didn't realize I wasn't supposed to do that as a first to HQ. Um, so that was also interesting. Everyone was calling for me from that. I didn't have my, uh, I didn't have my radio on, <laughs> Jesus. but yep. Um, that was the thing. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was a, it was a fun operation. Um, there's a lot of air support done. Uh, and I'm a JTAC, uh, which is a joint tactical air controller or terminal, sorry, joint terminal air controller. Um, and so I got to call on an airstrike and, I uh, got to call another airstrike and it didn't end up hitting the correct bunker, but I still called it another airstrike. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a very fun operation. I had a lot of fun. Uh, I'm sure everybody did. Um, what was your objective during the operation? So most of it was just kind of clearing sectors and whatnot that were assigned to us. Yeah. Um, usually. So one, one itself, like operationally, is usually an assault squad. Um, mm-hmm. Same with like second second squad. Usually, uh, second squad is more of like assault, but also can be supportive in that nature or a security element. Uh, then you have um, usually the third squad of each platoon, the weapon squad, being the uh, sort of weapons. They're the weapon squad, so like they have a uh, more much more of a support role. You know, like they're Definitely. over they're providing Overwatch or um, they have like you know the AT and the uh, anti-air that's uh, capable of dealing with those sort of threats and whatnot, the assault teams may encounter. Um, Mm -hmm. So I know that we had to clear quite a few towns and whatnot, and honestly, a lot of people really like having the AAVs and whatnot in their sort of uh, squads, but for me, I've honestly, I found it as like one of those things that's kind of like, it's really nice to have, but at the same time, it's also frustrating. Um, yeah. luckily McAllister was happy to use the uh, gun on it, but you also <laughs> need somebody to drive it. So I was like, well, I had to pick and I didn't want to take one of my fire team members. Cause we only had, I think we had, I think seven people or so this last stop mm-hmm. because we had to give up some guys to, uh, or at least uh, one, three, cause they needed, uh, some MGs and whatnot. Um, and so I had to have Harris driving it. Because I was like, uh, I'd rather not have a, I'd rather have a Corman back in a supportive position. Because usually, how you want to use the AAVs, you have to keep them very careful because you don't want them to push up too far. Because if they push up too far without infantry support, they'll uh, get whacked by an RPG. So yeah. you want to be usually have to be very careful with them. You have to micromanage them quite a bit because um, if you man- micromanage them quite a, like very well, they end up being a nice force multiplier. Because a good example was whenever we were on that first island. We got to the one three OW one, and we sat down looking at our our future objective because we got there kind of early compared to the other squads because the one three was helping out one two with clearing their sector, and McAllister already just started shooting targets and whatnot, like and getting them fixed for us for us to cross and then engage them. So that's where like it's useful, but at the same time, it's like you know your guys are super far back, so it's kind of worrying to micro like you know be that far away from them case something bad happens um even even if you have other people there like you know protecting the immediate perimeter around the aav it's still something that you struggle with micromanaging yeah for sure um 
So I've actually been banned from driving in the PTF. Um, yeah, I have no I, idea. <laughs> for good re- for good reason because yeah, yeah, for my own first <laughs> experiences. <laughs> um, but I have no idea what it's like to drive the AV. Is it like a? Is it like tougher to drive than most? People? It is, is that- a pain in the ass, um, ah, to say the least, because you either can turn out, which then exposes you, um, which you get perfect, you know, nice coverage and whatnot. And the thing, that's the thing too, it, it moves pretty quick. Like as soon as you like even just tap the um, gas, you know, you just go like a good five feet forward. My so uh, yeah, so like you, <laughs> it, it's very risky for crunching friendlies. Um, so you have to be very careful and make sure that you, people are very cognizant of you moving. Usually I have to tell my uh, squad, like say like, hey, I want you guys like at least 20 meters away from it, you know, yeah. in case they had to make an invasive maneuver or whatever, um, that sort of stuff. Um, but aside from that, it's you, you can turn out of it or you can uh, stay turned in and you get a tiny little viewport that you can look out of. And it's like super hard to kind of tell. So usually most of the time, whenever I was driving it, because I was driving it for the landings and whatnot, um, you have to uh, use your GPS most of the time because like, it's just that narrow of a um, viewport and stuff. Yeah. Like, Cause I, mean, I think since this is the older models, they don't have like what modern models have for most uh, vehicles yeah. where you can turn the actual like uh, viewports and whatnot, like the commander viewports can actually twist around and stuff. But yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, uh, I, I, that that definitely cannot help with the uh, the 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 friendly running over um, aspect of the AAV. Um, yeah, <laughs> given the I fact that we, you can't we actually see the friendlies. Have, yeah, we may or may not have hit Finny. I can't confirm that, so I do not hey, know for sure. Because I call, I yelled out and I said, "Hey, I'm moving," and everybody in front of me was already in their rib, and I waited till everybody in front of me was in their rib, and I was already lined up for the most part. I just literally had to like turn like one meter to the right. That's it. Mm-hmm. And maybe Finney was there at the wrong time. Maybe. And you know what? You know what? That's why you have two JTACs. Redundancy. Okay? Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Problem is, I can't call it an airstrike to save my life. So, right. um, <laughs> <clears throat> but um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, that, that definitely cannot help with uh, seeing what's in front of you and seeing the friendlies in front of you. Um that being said, I feel like that could be a really good uh, weapon against the Alp Four. Um, oh, it, it's yeah. it's deadly. It's really deadly, and that's <laughs> why, like you know, it's really useful. It's just that when you're lugging yeah. that thing around, you have to be worried, especially like in an operation like that where we have one island that we're trying to capture first, then uh, then we have to amphibious assault a second the mainland itself. Yeah, that meant that the stakes were much higher operationally because if that AAV goes down anytime before that you're going to have to wait around for another vehicle to be delivered. Or you're going to have to ferry back and forth across the island, which is going to lead to people getting isolated and getting fixed and therefore encircled and kind of leads to failed amphibious assault, right? So that's the one thing to kind of consider in in that sort of sense. Yeah. And I mean, um, so we had two different islands to cover um, last operation. And um, I know the bridges got knocked down, didn't they? Yeah, the, I believe the uh, Cubans detonated the uh, bridges and whatnot. So that, which I mean, on, honestly, even if we took just kept the Amtrak's on uh, 
land and went and took the bridges, that would have been just operationally a worse idea because we would have been just basically walking right into a uh, fob. So yeah, like it was just kind of like a very bad idea, especially considering that the bridges are very easily just dis- can be very easily destroyed, um, as we saw. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I just want to keep uh, those away. Yeah, I heard on the on the the cast net. Um, hey, uh, I think that the bridge is going down. And then I walk forward a little bit, and then just that bridge is just going do 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 do. Just sections of it falling down in the water at a time. Yeah, I look at Finny. I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, oh, oh well, it's not like we're taking the bridge in the first place. Yeah. It's, well, I told my guys stay away from the bridge so that in case, because my biggest fear is like, oh, they, even though they see the bridge coming down, they're just gonna stand around on the bridge just waiting for it to come to them, and then it's gonna crush. That's gonna crush them, and then it's just like, all right, well, great. Now we have to wait five minutes because you decided to stand on a falling bridge. <laughs> that's more of why I'm worried about because, like, you know, sometimes, yeah. like I said, people just aren't paying attention to the situation around them. Uh, yeah. But it happens, you know. Yep, yep, it does happen. Um, but the thing is, I forgot that uh, the AAVs for a second, I literally forgot that they could go in the water. Um, I don't know why, since it's really called an amphibious assault vehicle. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I, it, it was my first operation where I was, you know, actually doing like an amphibious assault. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, that, <laughs> I, I completely forgot. I was just like, oh shit, how are we going to get over there now? What, what, what's going to be over there? Like, uh, I was thinking, okay, do I need to get on the transportation net, you know, get some CH-53s over here. But yeah, I'm I'm happy that we had a Vic that could easily easily get us across that river and uh, yeah. get us where we need to be. Um, so I have another question for you. Uh, for a story oh, about yeah. PTF. Uh, what is your favorite PTF moment? Out of all of them out there, what is your favorite thing that has happened to PTF? Uh, it doesn't have to be in the operation. Mm, I'm trying to think. I think the favorite thing was the, so like not bashing the PTF, you know, by all means. Uh, so like we had one case because we swapped over to a new server. We were trying to test it out and this was whenever we opened up second platoon. So we hit the uh, well past 60 person cap, yeah. which made the server's brain just stop functioning. Cause I yeah. think there was some code that we had that wasn't working correctly. And we weren't yeah. really anticipating that because, yeah. uh, so what happened was is that mm-hmm. it was just a non-stop spam in the memes chat of just is the server running in this really crappy <laughs> GIF that um which the, people the, still the do they still painted. yes they, they, they still <laughs> and anytime that there's any sort of like things like where like the server's restarting because of mod packs or whatever you still see it around. Uh, yeah. So not even that's that, probably too. it's just that was like 300 messages. That was like, there's more than 300 messages that night. No, and it was all definitely. that same GIF. And that's, I think, cause like we were just sitting there, like, cause I remember just like waiting for the server to get back up and whatnot. Um, cause that basically gives you for people that are listening and whatnot, usually our operations are about two and a half to three hours long. So the yeah. server took about a good hour or so to, uh, get back up i think it was about 9 nine thirty ish and uh yeah. around then they basically because the map that we were using there's a lot of issues with it too because it was a jungle map so therefore lots of polygons means lots of server load which means that a lot of issues with lag and frame rate and stuff that really makes it a deplorable sort of 
yeah, like there's a lot of factors that go into it and whatnot, which is why, you know, it's not like, it's absolutely not like, you know, anybody's fault for that. It just happens. Um, Mm -hmm. But it was just more or less like the stuff that we were doing in the meantime to just pass the time is just sitting there just like, like just shooting the shit while we're like, you know, it's just spamming fucking memes and we would hop down to each other's channels and fuck around with each other and shit. And it was just kind of like, it was just kind of just a really fun night. Like, even though like we weren't actually, you know, doing an opera, like a proper campaign operation, it was still pretty fun. And in the end of the night, we still, for most people that stuck around and whatnot, we still ended up doing an operation on top of that. So, and I mean, the thing with the PTF is we, we just kind of bullshit with each other. And so exactly, uh, not yeah. everybody can be on all the time, but when everybody's online anyways, and then we just get the opportunity to bullshit with each other, it's, it, it's a, it's an experience. Yeah, it is <laughs> by, by far. That's like yeah. one of the things that, you know, like I said, that just is like, I guess the nice and the negative of owning a squad is that like sometimes yeah. Yeah, like, you know, because especially in an operation, you know, sometimes people are still bullshitting by the time that we're taking contact. I'm like, all right, well, like, that's not really a time to bullshit. Let's go ahead and kill the guy. Then we can fuck yeah. around about talking about the guy that we just murked or whatever, right? So, yeah. And there is a fine line um, between the, 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 the joking and the actual seriousness. Um, oh, yeah. As a, as a Muslim unit, we are trying to, you know, get some actual realism going and you know, you can't just be bullshitting while you're just dropping uh, the out four faction you know, oh, yeah. over and over again. Um, but you talk about that meme with the Russian dude and how and how many variations there are. Yes. What's your favorite variation? Because mine has to be uh, is the HVT running because <laughs> they always God, do. No, <laughs> no. Uh, I forget. It was like I forget what, what it's. I think it'll still just have to be just is the server running just because like yeah. actually no is the platoon running is probably the best yeah. one. Because <laughs> there is a, there is a the, the when that came around was um, the first operational last campaign the eight uh, one operation yeah um, that was um, where Iran just spontaneously invaded Turkey and there's just a lot of shit going on. And we're getting pushed by several IFVs and tanks and stuff, mm-hmm. which led to a lot of casualties of upper echelon leadership, leading to literally some points where it was just like me on the platoon net and white on the platoon net. And so we made a variation of is the platoon running because like <laughs> nobody's there to run it. So <laughs> at least because everybody was unconscious. Um, so yeah, it was just, yeah. I guess, and that would probably be my favorite then. Yeah. Well, another thing that happened that day uh, or that, that night when we were just kind of bullshitting with each other, uh, I remember getting a ping to join the one, one channel and um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, where I'm going with this. Yes. Um, yeah. I remember there is a, uh, there's a member of uh first first club. Um, what is he? Uh, Bravo dot Jesus. He was. The Bravo Fire Jesus. Team yeah. So, um, Jesus, uh, yeah. Um, his real his real last name is Jesus, but uh, we everybody just calls him Jesus. Jesus yeah, because yeah. I mean, yeah. like I called him Jesus the first operation because I said that like, he's gonna be my chaplain. So yeah, <laughs> but um, when we, I just got a random ping to go in there, and um, when I came in, uh, Jesus was reading the Holy Bible, and yes. 
somebody was playing music and it was like real holy yeah. music. Because him and Scarlet, I think, are buddies and whatnot. That uh, yeah, joined and uh, Scarlet was playing music for him and stuff. So yeah. <laughs> while he was reciting and whatnot, I, that has to be one of my favorite BTF moments because I mean it just encapsulates what we're about. We just kind of yeah. We just roll with the punches and we find something funny. Oh, yeah, and, just, and we that's, that's the, the thing too the two years. is that you you get shit done while also you know having fun. That's why I mean yeah. is like is like it's still like serious enough to where you're getting shit done and you still have that cohesion. You still have like you know yeah. that tactical like like you know n- knowledge and stuff, right? And that people are still paying attention to their surroundings, not just memeing off somewhere. So yeah, yeah. that's why meaning is like that's kind of the peak moment there so we generally know when to stop joking around uh and yeah that's definitely important yeah <laughs> and that's a really important factor of just the fact that we're you know real people that actually you know care about playing the game and care about uh doing what we want to do and what we find fun in the game um and yeah i mean it, it's it's really a great part of the unit um, but I actually have one last question for you. Yeah, uh, sure. I know you're. I know you're dying to get off so you can oh. blow your nose or whatever because you're. Oh no, I'm. I'm <laughs> I am just uh, peachy. So. <laughs> all right. Um. This, here's here's the big question that I ask everybody. Are you ready? Yep. Go for it. If you had to ask, if you had to get your friend in the PTF, you had to say, hey. Uh, I want you to join my army unit. It's going to be a lot of fun. What would you say? Well, considering I already got uh, two people, actually three people <laughs> onto it, um, Valum, uh, Fauci, and Clark and whatnot, um, I got all of them into it. Um, I pretty much just was you know, straight with them. I told them, like, hey, like this is just like a normal uh, operations. Like, you have operations Sundays, and you have uh, – you know, the uh, training squad trainings um, once a week and stuff if you're doing infantry. But we also have, like, you know, air air stuff. If you're interested in air stuff, depends on the friend I'm talking to because, like, Clark, he's more of an air guy. So I was more approaching with that sort of air sort of thing. Um, but honestly, there's a lot of, like, this is still a unit where there's still a lot of opportunities and whatnot. There's a whole second platoon, right? You could practically do almost anything that you really want to do. Um, like you want to be an air and whatnot, you want to fly helicopters, go to mag. If you want to be a fixed wing pilot or a drone operator, go to mag, you know, like, uh, if you want to be a machine, like you want to be a 240 gunner, there's a spot open in one three for you. You want to operate a javelin one three. You want to operate a, like a stinger system one three. Um, you have like, you want to be a door kicker, um, go to one one or one two, you know, like there's a lot of variety for your play style and what you sort of want to do. And even in a sense of leadership too, right? Um, Because whenever I joined, I sort of wasn't really seeking out leadership initially. Um, I actually wanted to kind of stay lax on that. But eventually, as I played, I wanted to end up doing leadership. Like I wanted to do fire team leadership and step up to that, um, up to squad leadership and stuff. So honestly, like if I were, you know, saying it to a friend, there's just a lot of opportunities. And it's a pretty lax group of people. Um, and a lot of the people that I used to run with like friends wise and whatnot, we were in units where like, you know, it was very focused on like formalities and stuff of like, Oh, you have to call officers, sir. And stuff like that. Or like, 
address people by rank. And honestly, we're not really about that here. It's, you know, it's a milksim, you know, it's not something that we take that, like we take serious, but we don't take it like so seriously that we have that sort of, I guess, false sense we, of we, priority. We try <laughs> like, to add an eight out of 10 on the realism scale. We don't want you to yeah. actually be like really, uh, really kind of mad at playing a game. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like, and that's, that's what I mean is that like, we try to, you know, keep it kind of like almost we try to, you know, get a proper simulation, right. Of like, you know, what that, that adrenaline rush that you get. Right. Um, like even whenever you're like breaching rooms or clearing a town, um, that's sort of, uh, what we're going for. Um, so honestly, like I said, it has a lot of opportunities for even leadership too. Like there's fire team leadership that opens up or like, um, like, company command being like a JTAC or Corman and stuff like there's, there's just such a variety of stuff to do here and people here, you know, even in leadership positions or those seniority positions um, are willing to work with you, you know, for the people that want to actually take the time and spend the time, like to learn something new or to become a Corman JTAC or whatever, or, um, any sort of role like they're willing to take the time like to sit like two or three hours with you just to like you know get you sorted on stuff right and i think that's really where you know that's where i'd say it sparks most interest for people is that you know we can give people are willing to help you out and it's going to be a very easy process for you rather than you just trying to figure out everything on your own so i completely agree um and if you want to join the PTF because of the reasons that Taylor just listed, um, you can go to www.paramarines.com, P-A-R-A-M-A-R-I-N-E-S.com. You can, make an, you can make an account and then submit an application, and then a recruiter will get to you on the Discord. So you have to join the Discord. It's uh, discord.gg slash paramarines, P-A-R-A-M-A-R-I-N-E-S. Uh, I'll see you there. Uh, and thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Thank you, Taylor, for uh, hopping on. Yeah, and, no uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, thank you very much for listening and have a great day.